Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic of the day is our Easter Conference first round predictions. So the matchups were set, and we're ready to go with the first matchup on August the 17th. So Jalen, let's start with the first matchup in the first round. It's the Bucks and the Magic. I think Milwaukee has a strong chance of going back-to-back in the Easter Conference Finals. The real question is, can they sweep the Magic? Is there a chance that you think that the Milwaukee Bucks will sweep the Orlando Magic? Honestly, I kind of think it's pretty realistic. I mean, unfortunately, Orlando has not really impressed me too, too much during this bubble restart. And their loss of Jonathan Isaac is something that really concerns me moving forward because I feel like he's an extremely pivotal piece to their ability to make a playoff run down the line with a lot of their talent. I had this conversation with another person off camera about what do you consider Aaron Gordon to be for any team, let alone the Orlando Magic? And I told him I thought that Aaron Gordon was maybe the second best player on a championship team on his best day. What that means for their team is kind of a similar comment to something that was made on a YouTube podcast that I heard. And I honestly feel like it's a very good statement or good way to label the Orlando Magic. And it's a team full of really good starters, but no real superstar. Um, Nikola Vucevic is a guy who is extremely underrated for this team. It kind of tends to put up like 20 and 10 as a secret. Like he seems like a guy who tends to put up numbers and nobody seems to really pay it any attention. Evan Fournier is a guy as a three-point shooter who is pretty hit or miss in terms of how streaky he can get, but he doesn't tend to perform extremely well in the playoffs. Markel Fultz is a guy who we're seeing for the first time in the NBA really ever. I guess, you know, he is one of the guys that, you know, he's officially the youngest player to ever post a triple-double now, but at the same time, We've never really seen him in this type of role playing these kind of minutes, playing for an Orlando Magic team that has not really had very good success in the playoffs over the last couple of years. So honestly, for the Magic, not really having any lead man, not really having any player that could be a go-to option for them and missing out on a big, big rim defender and overall defender um, in Jonathan Isaac due to that injury this is looking like they're asking to get the brooms pulled out on them on this one. I feel like maybe they'll steal a game, but I feel like Milwaukee's going to handle business on this one. Yeah, I either think it's going to be Bucks and four, Bucks and five. I think the real question for Orlando is how you build your team up after this. And I think that, yes, they have a lot of young talent like Markel Fultz and Jonathan Isaac, who unfortunately was injured in this bubble but now you're going to need people to step up. I think Mo Bamba needs to step up coming off the bench. I think Jonathan Isaac was a huge rim defender, like you said, and I think that his presence on the floor, especially coming off the bench, giving him another big body to replace Aaron Gordon or Nikola Vucevic, I think that definitely provided some help for them in the front court. I think also Michael Carter-Williams, too. He mm-hmm. has had a solid season, and it's a solid underrated season thus far. I think that he's going to need to 
show that he can still go. He's kind of like a quiet scorer, kind of like Nikola Vucevic, where he puts up like 20 and 10 a game and nobody even knows it. But like Michael Carter-Williams has some solid 20-point games that no one ever talks about just because he's on the Orlando Magic and he's not even like the first guy people think of on the Magic. I just think now for Orlando, they need to show that they can take the Bucks to at least six games. I don't think they're going to win the series. I just think that the Bucks have too much talent. So I think with that being said, Bucks and four. Bucks and four, Ryan. Simple. Moving to the next series, it's the Toronto Raptors, the defending champions against the Brooklyn Nets. Now, Brooklyn is playing without a lot of guys right now. No Spencer Dinwiddie, no Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant was probable to come back, but he decided it was better for not to come back. So definitely this is a team who's hurting in the scoring department, but I think they have an opportunity to possibly upset the Raptors. Do you feel the same way? Ryan, whatever you're drinking, put it down quickly. I don't know what what you think the, the Nets are. I've seen a lot of competitiveness out of them. I understand there's a lot of hype over that, that win over the Bucks a couple of days ago. But if I didn't see Karis LeVert and Joe Harris on this team, I would have thought they trotted out their G League squad at this rate. This is not a team that when we're talking about hanging with the reigning defending champion Toronto Raptors, who have basically brought everybody else back except for Kawhi Leonard and somehow outperformed even what they did last season, this team looks pretty goddamn unstoppable. And you think that the Brooklyn Nets, who really, you know, we should even wonder why they're here, considering how many players they're missing out on, thinking that they're going to upset somebody. Eh, I don't know. They might upset some fans of theirs for even sticking it around and not getting a higher draft pick. But I don't know about upsetting the Toronto Raptors. I kind of have a feeling that they can. I don't think that they will. Obviously, yes, I posed it as a question just to see what your reaction was. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, like, in, in all seriousness, I, I do think that the Raptors will definitely come out as a stronger team. I think they have way too many weapons right now that are developed, ready to go, ready to contend again. I think they also have playoff experience with guys like Marcus Saul, Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet, Pascal Siakam, uh, Serge Ibaka. I think the real question, ironically, I bring up Serge Ibaka. Are we going to see Serge Ibaka again? I think that there's a chance that he can come back and he could have a great defensive performance considering I can't name one good big on this Brooklyn team. Jared Allen, I've heard good things about him. I haven't seen good things out of him. (laughs) I just don't see where Brooklyn's going to go. I think in the future, Brooklyn definitely has a chance to contend especially now that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are going to be healthy next season and Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be available. I think this season, however, I think the Raptors definitely win in six games. I do think the Nets will put up some sort of a fight. Karis LeVert will probably put up a 30-point performance. Joe Harris will, will have a game where he's shooting at least like six three-pointers. But I think just outside of that, I don't see anybody from Brooklyn that could really match up to guys like Marcus Gasol and Serge Ibaka. 
I guess I have to go the the negative Nancy route and say, dude, bring those brooms back out. Because honestly, I mean, there's a lot of players on Toronto that weren't named that I still think are extreme X factors for their team. Rondé Hollis Jefferson has played a lot of defense on some of the top wing wings in the league and has played relatively well. Chris Boucher is somebody down low that has been low-key having a pretty solid season in terms of, you know, coming off the bench for them. OG Ananubi is somebody that I have highlighted a thousand times on this podcast, and I'm going to highlight a thousand more times because as a defender, he is a guy that if he can get his mid-range game to become more consistent, he will be an elite two-way player for their team. This is a team that runs extremely deep and can play exceptional defense at literally every position. Every position has at least one primary defender. And then on top of that, they have at least three to four guys who can defend multiple positions. Any either whether it be one through the three, one through the four, three through the five, whatever the circumstances are, they have the personnel to play exceptional defense across the board. And the Nets do not have enough guys for the Raptors to be worried about when it comes to defending five guys on the court as potential scoring threats. Like you said, the Nets are lacking in the scoring department. Well, guess what? The Raptors do not lack an inch of anything when it comes to the the defensive end. And I think that's going to make things extremely tough for Brooklyn. So I guess they're going home pretty early too in my book. Yeah, and I think depending on how the Raptors really do in the first round, I think people will make assumptions that, you know, maybe this team can go to the finals again. But I think it's going to be a tougher road considering, yes, they will probably have to face Milwaukee again. They'll probably have to face Boston down the road. I just think that it's going to be interesting. And speaking of the Boston Celtics, Boston's taking on the uh, Philadelphia 76ers. We've seen this matchup previously in the playoffs, and these two teams don't like each other very much. I think it's very interesting to see how this matchup's going to go, especially that, you know, Boston has a new point guard. Philadelphia doesn't have Ben Simmons. How do you see this matchup faring for both teams? I'm sticking to my pick this time. I made a little bit of a switch up, but I got to lean on this one. And I said that I think Boston has high chances of winning the championship this year. And they, they can't do that if they don't get out of the first round, which obviously means that I have them beating the 76ers I think despite losing Ben Simmons I think this series is still going to go to seven though I think it's going to come down to the coaching matchup between Brent Brown or especially on Brent Brown's end I feel like because he's been the guy who's kind of been the pseudo x factor for the 76ers in terms of how can he coach when the lights are brightest right and I think it's one of those things where in the past, he's been outcoached against the Celtics multiple times. And, you know, for a team that has relied on being able to out-talent other teams for the last two or three seasons, I think Brent Brown has been a guy who has been either a scapegoat or the absolute reason why they're losing. I think another series with the Celtics will help us realize whether or not he's just been the guy everybody's pointing their finger at, or if he really is the one at fault. I think that it's going to be a seven-game series where Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown take over, 
And I think it may not be March, but I think we're going to see Cardiac Kimba in full effect, which is going to make it very difficult for Philadelphia to hold on. But I think that they're going to be able to, you know, nip and tuck long enough to at least take it to a game seven. I have to take a different route. I mentioned in the first episode back, Boston would have the gentleman sweep against Philadelphia in the first round. I am sticking to that. I see the Philadelphia 76ers completely outmatched, especially in all departments, especially in the coaching department. Brad Stevens is one of the best head coaches in the league right now. Another guy who I believe does not get the recognition he deserves, especially considering he rebuilt the Celtics and look at them now seven years later. They were coming off the big three era with Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, Rajon Rondo, and now they have Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward. This team is definitely here to stay. The Sixers, on the other hand, I just feel like they just are completely outmatched, especially in the guards. If I put Kemba Walker up against Shake Milton, I mean, who do you think is going to win that matchup? I think Kemba Walker is going to win that matchup. Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown have proven in the playoffs that they can, they can be problems for other teams. I think that they're dangerous in the playoffs, and I think that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, I think this series is going to determine how well all three of them do later on in the playoffs. As far as the Philadelphia 76ers go, I think this is going to be the last season that Brett Brown coaches them, and I also feel like this could be the last season that Ben Simmons is around. Oh, man. Okay, way to hand it off, Ryan. Jeez. Um, okay, to follow up both of those statements, I think the Brent Brown one is extremely accurate. I feel like if he can't get them out of the first round with the kind of talent they have on their team, despite losing Ben Simmons, they actually, as of late, if you check the statistics, the Philadelphia 76ers actually have a better plus minus with Ben Simmons off the floor and having Joel Embiid as the primary option. So, I mean, it's definitely one of those things when it comes to Ben Simmons that they have a choice to make. And it seems like everybody in the media says, if you got to pick, you pick Joel Embiid. And it's kind of hard to fight with him considering that, you know, the only thing that you can really use against him is injury history. And Ben Simmons is not really helping himself in that department as it is. Granted, you can't control it, but we have to understand that when business is made, you got to take all things into consideration. I think that's a really hot one to lean into, but I honestly can see why that would take place. I do feel like the big thing that we have to ask the 76ers coming out of this season is, regardless of where they end up, can you keep running it back with the same core that you have, or is it time to make a drastic move? I mean, we've said the same thing about the Washington Wizards with Bradley Beal and John Wall. There were questions about Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum playing for the same team, but no questions have been asked larger than the 76ers discrepancy between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And I think that this season is going to force them to have to make some household changes if things don't go the way a team like this, built like this, paid like this, is supposed to perform. I think losing Jimmy Butler in the offseason was the biggest hit to the Philadelphia 76ers. I think with Jimmy Butler, they added another scoring threat on the offensive side. Definitely a sneaky defender, to say the least, too, with Jimmy Butler. 
yeah, he had some inconsistent games for the Sixers, but he was pretty much consistent in the in the scoring department for most of the playoffs. I mean, he was definitely an option for Brett Brown to use on the floor whenever Embiid wasn't on the floor. I do think Tobias Harris is going to put up a good a good showing in the first round, but I just don't think it's going to be enough. I think they're going to need to either focus on who they want to build around the future, either Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons, or look to free agency or a trade to see how they can upgrade their roster because the guard situation right now is not looking too good. Speaking of Jimmy Butler, though, we're going to talk about his team, the Miami Heat, as they take on the Indiana Pacers in the final first-round matchup in the Eastern Conference. There's some history between the Heat and the Pacers right now. It's documented that Jimmy Butler and T.J. Warren don't really like each other that much. But I bring up T.J. Warren, who only had 12 points, and he went 12-5 and five with, on a 5-14 of 14 shooting, which is definitely unlike him in this bubble. How do you see T.J. Warren faring against the Miami Heat in this series? Well, I think the first thing to take away from that is that got kind of overblown because the dude played like less than 25 minutes in that game. So first off, pump the brakes. Anybody who thinks that TJ Warren folded over when they finally played the Miami Heat. That's number one. Number two, I think the thing with TJ Warren so far is his ability to score at such a high rate is something where a team like the Miami Heat that has so many primary defenders, of course, Jimmy Butler being one of the better two-way defenders on their team, Kendrick Nunn at the guard position, Tyler Hero is no slouch, Duncan Robinson, for somebody who is considered just a three-point shooter, definitely can play or defend the one and the two on those wing sides. And Bam Adebayo is not somebody you want to meet when you go inside the paint. So they have a ton of defenders across the board which of course for an Indiana Pacers team that does not have that many scoring options, it's one of those things where TJ, TJ was leaned on heavily when the only other person you really can transition to is Victor Oladipo right now. So I think TJ Warren's going to do pretty well. I'm not saying I see any 53-point games in his future or anything, but I think that he's going to do relatively well for the game. I think the one game was kind of a fluke. I think – this is definitely outside of what we've seen of TJ Warren thus far, but I'm not going to get mad for one game. Mm-hmm. I just thought it was interesting though, like the high scoring numbers that he's put up and how accurate he's been in the mid range or from beyond the arc. I think it's almost kind of like a shock that he felt like he kind of fell off a little bit. Maybe it was Jimmy Butler that got to him, but honestly, I'm not saying that's the reason at all. I got to look toward the Pacers though. And I'm going to say it again. They need help to upgrade their team a little bit. Yes, Victor Oladipo is a solid scorer. And yes, TJ Warren has been playing phenomenally well in the bubble. But Malcolm Brogdon needs to step up. I think they're going to need help in the front court because they need support for Miles Turner. I don't know if Aaron Holiday is getting it done. I don't think Justin Holiday is getting it done. So I think you're going to need to find a big name in free agency in order to make yourself a top three contender. Miami, I've said this before and I'll say it again, I think it's a dark horse. I think they win this series in seven games. I think that Miami definitely is a threat going forward to any team in the Eastern Conference considering, yes, Kendrick Nunn has been playing great this season, now up for Rookie of the Year. Duncan Robinson's a lights-out sharpshooter. Jimmy Butler is a leader on this team. Andre Iguodala is a solid contributor. 
Jay Crowder is a solid three-point shooter. I just think that this team is filled with so many scoring options. You almost like, you almost kind of forget that this team wasn't even supposed to make the playoffs at the beginning of the season. So I say Miami in seven. I have to agree with Miami in seven, but the, the take of it for me may be a little bit different from most. And I say that to say that the assumption when you say Miami in this game or in this, in this series as a whole would be Jimmy Butler outlast TJ Warren, Heat win in six, Heat win in seven, or the step up of Bam Adebayo, who is already up for most improved player, continues to ascend come playoff time and leads the Miami Heat to a win in game six, game seven. The established individuals are going to rise up to the occasion. My belief, honestly, is that they win this series because their young guys are the ones who produce and put them over the hump. I feel like the production of Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, those two in particular, specifically because of their ability to shoot the three ball and their both of them, especially sneakily for Duncan Robinson, ability to put the ball on the floor and drive to the hoop. Those two guys are scores for that team that they get a lot of highlights from their ability to shoot the ball from range. But I think their overall offensive game and their effort on the defensive end is going to be what really dictates whether or not they win. I feel like if those two guys do not play well, regardless of what Jimmy Butler or Bam Adebayo do, the Pacers will still steal just enough games to come out with this series if the young guys don't step up. So I think it's on the young guys' shoulders to step up and win a game or two for them because I think it's going to be critical to you know their overall series success against the Pacers team who, I said it on the awards pod, on the awards episode, they have been overachieving for like what has been like the last two or three seasons now. And it's not by accident. So those young guys are going to have to step up in their first experiences in the playoffs and do some damage. Otherwise, they're going to get caught slipping. So it's time for our question of the day for our fans. What is one playoff series that you're watching and why? This has been a great episode today. Of course, make sure you rate our podcast five stars on Apple. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a great episode today. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.